0: Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Bible Truth for Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. It's a joy to be with you today I'd like to invite you to our church where I have the privilege of pastoring Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We are located at 817 Woodland Drive, just off of Route 37 South in Mount Vernon. Today happens to be the 48-year anniversary of our church at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. We began as Bible Haven Baptist Church. Some of you may remember that back in 1974. And we've been there now for 48 years, my folks and a handful of others uh, started the church and I've been pastoring now for the last several years and we'd be happy to see you come and celebrate the anniversary Sunday with us. Also at Waltonville Community Church, we gather every Sunday morning at 1115. We're at 321 South Hirons Street in Waltonville right across from the Waltonville Cafe. Hope you can join us if you do not already have a church where you attend. I'm going to bring a message today that's actually going to be a series over the next few weeks leading up to the midterm elections. I've titled the series of God and Government, and today we're going to look at why we have government and nations. I'm going to begin reading from Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. At this particular time, the flood is now over, eight people have survived, and now they are going to repopulate the earth as they are exiting the ark. And the Bible says in Genesis nine and verse one, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Notice the fear of you and the dread of you. Apparently, pre-flood, the animals did not have that fear as they did after the flood. You know, people will say, well, you know, don't be. Afraid of snakes, they're more scared of you. Well, I'm, I still don't like snakes, but uh, the reason that animals have a fear of man that is instituted here uh, following the flood. And every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. Also, this is now uh, where God institutes meat is permitted to eat by humans following the flood. Up until that time, it was of the herb bearing seed that was given in Genesis chapter 2. But now man is told he can eat meat. There is no limitation on that. We'll see that later in the law that is given to Israel. But uh, meat, and uh, but God says, don't, don't eat of the blood. In other words, uh, you need to cook the meat because uh, the blood actually contains things that aren't good for us. And uh, at this point, God just says, don't do that because that's what life is in. Life is in the blood. But here's what I really want to focus on, verses 5 and 6. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed." For in the image of God made he man. You know, as we head toward next month's midterm elections, we are increasingly saturated with political commentary. You have all the pundits on the news and uh, political commercialism, all the signs that are out. And once again, we have candidates promising to fix all the problems of society. Sometimes uh, it seems as though the uh, the politicians create more problems than they solve, Uh, That's not always the case, but, uh, you know, we always hear every couple of years when the election comes around how that uh, the problems will be solved if you elect, you know, any certain person into office. Now, some people say we should not talk about political issues in the church at all. Just stick with the Bible. I agree with that to the extent of promoting certain parties and politicians and and knocking down others. That's not wise to do, and it's not scriptural. However, the Bible is packed full of political concerns. You have issues issues regarding laws and ordinances, kingdoms and judges and kings and queens and taxes and social issues and economic issues, and you could go on and on and on. You see, the failure to properly connect God's relationship to human government has left mankind without the necessary knowledge to govern society. So then that is left up to the politicians and the political parties to set the ground rules for governance, and we see where that is taking us today. So we're going to lay the groundwork in this series, and we're going to look at why we have government and nations. Let's begin, first of all, with the founding of human government. Now, before the Flood, there was no human government that was established. There were no laws. There was no leadership. In fact, man was sort of left to just govern himself. And that never turns out good. You leave a handful of kids or teenagers in a room without any leadership or any guidance and uh, just see what you get. Well, the same thing happened uh, pre flood. Now there were approximately 1500 years between creation and the flood. So all of this time, man is governing himself and is just getting worse and worse. In fact, Uh, We read in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, "...and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." You see, man doesn't tend to get better and uh, more uh, well-behaved. Man gets worse in his actions. Every imagination, about the time you think that uh, you've seen the worst, something else would happen. We see that same thing even uh, in our society today when we have human government. But following the flood, as we look at Genesis chapter 9, God establishes human government. One of the things he does is he institutes the death penalty for murder. Notice there I read in Genesis nine and verse six, "Whoso sheddeth man's blood, kill somebody by man." shall his blood be shed. In other words, man would be the one to judge that. Now, uh, there was no death penalty before the flood. In fact, the first human being ever born was Cain, and he was a murderer. He killed his own brother. But remember, Cain was not put to death. God, in fact, put a mark upon him uh, so that he would uh, be recognized and not touched. But uh, now, uh, the uh, God says that human government is responsible to govern man. And of course, that will even get more detailed in the Ten Commandments as uh, you go into the book of Exodus. But here you have a human government starting, and before long, societal leadership begins to form. Uh, Noah's grandson Nimrod was the first great human leader in human government. He set out to establish laws and rules and regulations for the society to follow. But what he was doing was actually forming the first one world government against uh, what God wanted man to do. And Nimrod was a, a picture of the Antichrist. He, he wanted man to replace God. And we see that with the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Verse 1 says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. This is the the generation after the flood, all right? So people still have not dispersed. They're staying pretty much in one uh, location. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth." The reason they were building that tower to heaven, I think, was twofold. Number one, it was to prevent God from judging them again with a flood, even though God had already said he would not do that. But it was also a way to worship. Most scholars believe that on top of that tower was an astrological set up to begin worshiping the planets and the stars, which developed into our modern day horoscope. Don't mess with things like that. They're of the occult. But anyway, that was the goal here. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. They're unified. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound or confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. So they, they stopped building the tower, because, you know, someone would ask for a hammer in one language, and they would hear it in another, and it became confusing, confusion. And verse nine says, Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad, Upon all the face of the earth. So at this time, this uh, temporary one world government that Nimrod set out to begin, it now has failed and the people begin to scatter out from this location. Which brings us to the next point, and that is the forming of nations. Now, there were no nations in the world over the first 1500 years of human history. It is God who established nations. And uh, he did that through the three sons of Noah. Now, uh, I'm going to go through this rather quickly. In Genesis chapter 10, you have what we call the table of nations. And the first son that is mentioned is Japheth. And it says in chapter 10 and verse 5, it was by Japheth that the isles of the Gentiles were divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. This would be the European nations that would descend from Noah's son Japheth. And then you had another son named Ham in verse 20. These are the sons of Ham after their families, after their tongues, in their countries, and in their nations. So there are nations again. These would be the Asian and African nations that descended from Ham. And then the other son is named Shem, and in verse 31, the Bible says these are the sons of Shem, after their families, after their tongues, in their lands, after their nations. From Shem would come the Middle Eastern nations uh, that would be eventually the offspring of Abraham, all right, Shem, and from that word we get the Semites. Now, verse 32 says, these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Notice the repeated word nations. The Bible does not say anything about races. Races are actually a human concept. The Bible does not teach anything about races. In fact, the Bible says there's only one race, and that is the human race. In the book of Acts, we read that, that that we are all of one blood. So, you know, just a little bit of of, uh, melanin in the skin is the only thing that differentiates our skin color. And there are no races in the Bible, right? It's nations that were divided after the flood. So these nations come from the sons of Noah. Now, uh, when you have nations, you have to have borders, all right? God approves of nations and borders. You can't have a nation if you don't have a border. God talks about borders uh, over fifty times in the Bible. Now, the reason I tell you that is because that's one of the political hot buttons today. What is really behind the border issue is globalism. All right, the globalist, and when I say globalist, there's a lot of people in high places and politically, and and uh, elites in the financial sector that want to see us become a one-world system uh, like it was. Uh, at, at the time of Nimrod, at the Tower of Babel, alright? One government, one currency, and it will go to that, uh, in the tribulation period. The Bible speaks of that. But, uh, what I'm telling you is that the reason we have that issue is the globalists want no borders and would actually prefer us to be global citizens rather than citizens of nations. But the Bible teaches nations and teaches borders. Now, Here's the third thing that I want to share with you, and that is that God has a favorite nation, all right? The favoring of one nation in particular, and that is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. The Bible says, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, all right? So a particular land, and I will make of thee a great nation, And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, what I just read to you is known as the Abrahamic covenant. God tells Abram, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. Uh, All nations that bless you will be blessed. If they curse you, they will be cursed. And in thee shall all families be blessed, which is a reference to the Messiah that would come through the the line of Abram, but you have the Abrahamic covenant. Now, uh, again, just a little bit of Bible history. Abraham would have a son named Isaac. Isaac then would have a son named Jacob. God would later change Jacob's name to Israel. And then Israel or Jacob would have 12 sons. These 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel alone is God's favored earthly covenant nation. Now you say, Pastor, does that mean that God doesn't love any of the other nations? Certainly not. God loves all nations. God loves all peoples. In fact, God grants favored status And a blessing to any nation that will follow him. Psalm 133 and verse 12 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So if you make God your Lord, God's going to bless your nation. You'll be a covered nation, not a covenant nation. Now, when I think of a covered nation and a blessed nation, I think of America. With all of our faults, I thank God every day that I live in America. I served in the military for this nation. Some of you listening uh, perhaps did as well. And I want you to know that regardless of what the progressives want to say, and some uh, even in the uh, modern educational system, that our nation, the United States of America, was founded on biblical principles and honored our Creator. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, listen to the preamble to the Declaration of Independence. It says, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator. Who is that? That is God, all right? And it's even capitalized in the declaration, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Our rights are not uh, granted or endowed by the government. They're endowed by the creator. That among these unalienable rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, listen closely to me, please. Government's role is not to provide our rights, Our rights do not come from government. Our rights come from God. Government's role is to protect our rights. You see, we've, we've ended up where, uh, we're ignorant about, uh, the founding of our nation and what the purpose of government is. And so some people think, well, we get our rights from the government. And so, uh, you know, everything comes from government. No, it comes from God. And the government is there to protect those God given rights. Well, that's part of the Declaration, too. Listen to the next part that to secure these rights, Governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Let me put that in everyday language. You and I are the government, all right? The government is not some separate entity in Washington, D.C. or Springfield as far as the state government goes. Government is the people, all right? And so it's the consent of the governed that says the government, you're there to protect our God-given rights. We need to get back to helping our young people understand that in regards to uh, the government uh, and the system we have in America. Now, because of our biblical founding, America has been a covered nation. We have been covered with the blessings and favor of God. When I think of covering, I think of an umbrella. You know, when you put an umbrella over your head, it doesn't stop it from raining. It just stops the rain from hitting your head, all right? It covers you. But listen, God can remove his covering. The United States of America has been blessed. But you know what? We are not guaranteed that God will always bless our nation. In fact, I wonder why God continues to bless us in the direction that we have gone. God can remove his covering. Now, God will not remove his covenant. Remember, Israel is the only covenant nation. America is not a covenant nation. We're a covered nation. But America could fall. America could cease from being a nation. You don't read anything about America in end-time Bible prophecy. Now, uh, I don't want that to happen. I live in America. I raise my family here. But America is not guaranteed to last forever as if God will tolerate our sinfulness uh, and not judge us. All right, we are a covered nation because we have acknowledged God, but we have really strayed from that, especially in the last several decades. But Israel is guaranteed to be forever. You say, well, where in the world is that in the Bible? Well, let me read it. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 35 says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, in other words, if the sun doesn't rise, if the moon disappears, the stars disappear, the the sea, the waves quit rolling, if those things depart, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. So as sure as the sun rises in the east, Israel will be a nation according to the word of God. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, if you think you can measure the entire universe, and that uh, has not been done yet, and then I don't believe will be done, And the foundation of the earth searched out beneath. You know, we don't even know half of what there is to know even about our own planet in regards to the oceans and and uh, the inner workings of our own planet, let alone outer space. God says, if you can figure all of that out, then I will cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. In other words, Israel is in it for the long haul because God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Now, let me give you this last point, and I, and I really want you to get this one, and that is the filling of another nation. Now, the nation of Israel is God's favored earthly nation. They don't always act like it. They don't make decisions that are for God. The majority of people in Israel either do not believe in God or they uh, do not recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah. All right, so that doesn't mean that they are perfect in their behavior, but yet God still says, you're my earthly people, and he's going to give them what he has promised. The church has not replaced Israel, but God is in the process of building and filling a spiritual nation. So Israel is God's favored physical nation, earthly nation, but there's another spiritual nation that God is in the process of filling. He is filling it up with people all around the globe. You say, Preacher, what nation is that? Well, listen to it from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Peter writes, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Beloved, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not surrender your American citizenship if you're an American, all right? You're still an American citizen, but you now gain heavenly citizenship, and you become the citizen of a holy nation. So you have what you might think of as a dual citizenship. Now, before you were saved, you're just an American citizen or whatever nation you're from. Once you're saved, though, you have an earthly nation that you're a part of and you are now part of a spiritual nation a holy nation Peter goes on to say a peculiar people well I've been in church long enough to know that's the truth isn't it you know some of us are peculiar but to the world we are we're peculiar that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people. You were not part of this holy nation, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, you are now part of a new nation, a holy nation, a spiritual nation. There are no holy nations on planet Earth. America is not a holy nation. Neither is China, neither is uh, France or any other nation you might think of. But there's a holy nation that God is filling with believers, all right? Now, Lee Greenwood wrote and sang a song, I think, back in the 80s is when he wrote this, and it's been a popular song ever since, and that is I'm Proud to be an American. You probably have sang it or heard it before. I enjoy that song, and uh, and I like that song. But you know, more than being proud to be an American, I'm privileged to be a citizen of God's holy nation my American citizenship will end with my death, but my spiritual citizenship is eternal. Now, here's my question for you. Are you part of that holy nation? You don't do that by by becoming holy, all right? The only way we are holy, by the way, is through the righteousness of Christ. He gets our sin, we get his righteousness. But if that has never occurred for you, you're not part of that holy nation. You say, Pastor, How do I become a citizen of this holy nation you're talking about? Well, you need to know, number one, that God loves you. He wants you to be a part of that holy nation. Number two, you must realize that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number three. You must believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sins. He is the only way to heaven. He's not one of the ways. He's the only way. You must believe that. And then you must simply ask Jesus to save you and take a moment and pray. You don't have to be in church. You can do this anywhere. You can do this right now listening to this program. It's not the words. It's meaning it with your heart that saves you. When you pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. And I know that I'm a sinner and my sins have separated me from your holiness. But God, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for me, and I repent of my sin, and I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and my only way to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. When you do that, you are born again. You now have every right that comes to being a part of the citizenship of a holy nation. The Bible speaks of an inheritance that is reserved in heaven that fades not away. You get all that good stuff. We are joint heirs with Christ because of our citizenship in heaven. Thank God for that. And if you've never been saved... Take care of that. And if you've been saved after hearing this message today, write to us. Let us know. Hey, Pastor Tim, I got saved listening to the podcast or to the radio program, and I'd like to uh, rejoice with you. That'd be wonderful to know. So listen, we're going to see governments come and governments go. Government is doomed to fail that is led by man. Now, one day, Jesus Christ will return, and he will have a perfect government but we'll not we'll not have it from the democrats or the republicans or the independents until Christ come that doesn't mean we're not to voice our opinion we're to get out and vote i'll talk about those things at another time but right now just please understand that our citizenship is in heaven. And that's the most important citizenship for you to have. Thank you again for listening to the Bible Truth broadcast. And don't forget, we have this available on podcast. We have many messages and teachings that are available on the Bible Truth podcast. If you have a favorite podcast store, you can go and search Bible Truth podcast with Tim Reynolds, and you'll find all of those messages on there that you can listen to at your convenience, all right? And we appreciate the the listening and the support. Thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying may God bless you is my prayer.